Hey, this is Tim Hunzey, partner of Parallel Music Publishing and board member of the Nashville Association of Independent Music Publishers. Thanks for listening to the Nashville Pubcast. This episode of the Nashville Pubcast, we have hit songwriter Lee Thomas Miller. Lee and I delve into the complex and intimate relationship between a writer and a publisher. I thought it'd be great to sit with you, Lee, today because I know um, our relationship together. We've, you've been an independent writer for independent publisher companies. You've been at majors. You've gone back to independence. So I think you would have a great aspect of what to expect from music publishers. So one of the things I like to ask right off the top is, like, what do you feel as a writer is the role of a publisher? Um, well, I, I definitely uh, look at it as a partnership. Um, I think when people outside the music business ask what publishers do, you know, to oversimplify it, I think I write the songs and the publisher pitches the songs. Um, that used to be pretty much the gig, I think, back in the day before all the artists wrote. Um, nowadays, it's a little bit more complex. Um, I look at the publisher to pitch the songs. I'm a terrible song plugger myself. <laughs> Um, it's good to know your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, um, let's call it what it is. But um, I, you know, it's so important now for the publisher, for the publisher to be, you know, plugged in in all the areas day to day where I'm not, and that's, you know, hearing about the the buzz on these new artists and these new writers, and then um, putting me in the rooms with the people that uh, that I don't know about. You know, the publishers, a good publisher hears about the the new kids, you know, before we do. You know, and so. You know, I think the publisher is good at networking on behalf of the writers. And I think as far as the definition of the roles go, that's the way I look at it. I kind of agree with that. One of the ways I I describe my role is is like part cheerleader, part publicist, part, you know, therapist is is on the publishing side and kind of encompasses everything you're kind of talking about. I try to help be the filter for the marketplace and kind of hook you up with the right things as well as uh, be your best spokesperson out there, like really hyping you up with the A&R people, the producers, the artists, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, one of the things I heard when you're talking and explaining is comes down to trust, right? That seems like a big issue for you have to have trust in this person if you're going to allow them to be that involved in your partnership in your career. Well... Yeah, I mean, it's a business relationship. I mean, you're going to have to have uh, – you have to be comfortable with them in all levels, and certainly you, you've got to trust their instincts. Um, I think that, you know, maybe that trust is earned or trust is lost. I think, you know, if a, if a writer spends enough time doing what the publishers ask them to do and they're all dead in roads or, or bad relationships or, you know, I, I think it can become a waste of the writer's time. So I think that the publisher has to be aware of – where they're sending the writers and what they're doing with their time. You know, I, I've been very fortunate. I've had, I've had successful publishers, but I've had a very good relationship personally with publishers. Um, but I also tell young writers that, uh, you know, you need to have a good relationship with these people. You know, it, it's in the publisher's best interest if you succeed. So I've never really enjoyed the the conversation of the writer against the publisher I, I don't I don't think that that really makes any sense and you hear that a lot I think that writers get frustrated with lack of activity and the first person you blame is the publisher even if 
even if that is true and the publisher is not doing a good job, creating an adversarial uh, situation between you and your publisher is there's no no good going to come from that. You know, nobody's got your back like your own publisher. You know, and and good publishers understand that. And good publishers, <laughs> despite what songwriters think, publishers are are trying to help their writers succeed. It's loony to think it. You know, to to do anything else. As a writer looking at publishing companies, as a publisher, it's harder for me to look from your eyes and put it through your lens. How have you seen publishers change themselves? Like you mentioned, you made a little note in there when you were talking about even the publishers have kind of changed. Uh, and I, the younger ones definitely have their own mindset and a different approach. What do you what do you notice in that? Well, you know, when uh, when artists by and large were not writing and it was a. Uh, the whole job was, you know, the writers sat down and we wrote a lot of songs because there were a lot of labels and a lot of artists. The town was much bigger. There were a lot of publishers. There were a lot more writers. Um, you know, we kind of spent our time writing songs and the publishers were slinging songs. And so at, at that time, you know, you were, you know, you were primarily looking at what publisher has the, you know, the hookups to get the songs cut, you know, which pluggers are the best pluggers. And, you know, you kind of found relationships with, with song pluggers and and you went there um i mean that's still important it's just it, it's so much more camp driven now we're spending so much more time writing with artists and producers and um today i don't know i think that uh it's still relationships that's the one thing that hasn't changed in you know 25 years of my career is it's still who do you have a good relationship with and i yeah I, I don't like bouncing around. You know, I've had a long career and I've been at three places because, you know, I I don't like change, you know, and I, I um but I think that uh, the business changes and the personnel changes at your publishing company and you change and I don't know, I think publishers and writers get tired of each other and, you know, um as the old, you know, the writer walks in and plays the song for the publisher they've been at 10 years and the publishers I think all the stuff is sounding the same and I think it's fair for the writer to go, "Yeah, because it's all me. It's what I do, you know. And I think when that happens, maybe it's time to get a fresh relationship, you know. I say there's there's usually two angles to to publishing deals coming to that. That's a question I usually ask, but you kind of brought it up earlier. Is when you know it's time to break up. And usually on my end, it comes to two things. It comes financially, like we just haven't hit the the success stride we hope for. And the other one is that it's a creative like. I on my end feel I've hit everything that I can give, giving you all access to all my contacts, and I've, I've I've hit that, and we can kind of feel that that thing. As a writer, like you said, not all of us like change, but is there usually the, when you know you start feeling it might be time for that breakup? Well, you know, one of the big myths out there about songwriters is that it's an inspiration business. You know, as you know, the successful writers they get up and they go every day, and whether you want to or not, and you write. Um, you have to kind of find a way to keep your head in the game. I think when the relationship with your publisher starts becoming a thing where you're not excited about writing, when you sit down to write and the first thing you think is, if I wrote 
the dance today, my pub publisher can't get it cut. Um, whether that's true or not, that's where your head is. And, and I think that it, it's hard It's hard to stay in the game. I think happy has a lot of value. And that's the biggest thing. When you start not loving what you're doing um, because of your relationship, I think it's probably time to go. I, you know, it's a, it's hard to make a living in the music business for all of us. It always was. In the 90s, it was hard because competition was brutal. You know, today it's hard because the competition is brutal, but the, but streaming has, has made the, the money part hard. So um, it's tricky because with that being said, it's still a creative business, and you still have to kind of be able to put everything else out of your mind and and make something up. And, and you know, I, I, that's my biggest thing. If you're not happy, maybe it's time to go. It, it, it has been for me. Now, I, I've... I've been fortunate to have to be at publishing companies that not only was a good relationship, they were also going through a period where they're very successful. So they were happy, you know, does help that does success help, begets you know. success. You know, I've had friends that are the companies that are kind of freaking out and they're pitching pennies and they're nervous. And so, you know, they're making decisions based on things other than the music. You know, they're not demoing songs just because they don't want to spend the money. Um, that, that becomes a, a dangerous place to be for a writer. I've never had that. I've always been places that were doing well, so I felt like they were making decisions based on the music and the, the business. And uh, with that being said, by the end of the, that those deals, it was time for me to go. Whether or not they were ready for me to go, I don't know. But for me, I was like, okay, I've done this. There's something else I want to go do. And, and I've pulled the trigger and gone and done it. I got another uh, a good question here that uh, you've been through. I we used to call it at the old ham scene. We called it boot camp when we signed young writers, and it's a little different today because of the turn-in systems. A little different, but as we prepared for sessions, the writers all sit on the couch and play us all their new songs, and we decide which ones we're going to be on a session. So, a key element that I would uh, uh, want to approach you and go: What's the best way to approach? being crit critiqued and and being told to rewrite like that's a big thing that's it's going it's probably the hardest thing you guys do spend hours on a song then come in and lay it in front of somebody and have them maybe tear it apart well this goes back to the trust um it's hard because you know typically publishers are not writers um so it's easy for a writer to get kind of all you know puffed up and say well you don't really know we never want to be told that it's not great. We we don't really come in asking you to tell us if it's good or not. We come in pretending that that's what we want, but really what we want you to say is, oh, my God, you're brilliant. Yes, please, immediately proceed. Um, and we all have to find a way to uh, to get out of that. 
we have to accept the fact that we're entirely too close to it to really know. I, I don't know. Uh, I guess maybe there are some, but as a rule, I, I, it's not that we don't know if it's good or bad. I think that you get to a point where you're writing the songs and they're written correctly, you know. So correctly is fine. Then the question is, okay, if the publisher says, the publisher may say, I don't understand the second verse, and you explain it to them. Maybe it's my own lack of confidence, but when I from the beginning, I felt like if I have to explain it to you, it's wrong. You know, um, so anytime, even if it frustrates me, even if I'm thinking, oh, my God, you're such a moron. It's so obvious what it says. You didn't get it the first time you heard it. That's a problem. How do you handle the rejection of the business as a writer? Is there, is there some some things that have helped you struggle through the fact that, you know, you're you're almost theirs. You know, you got the cup, but you didn't make the record. You're going to have the single, and the week before they they change it, or you thought it was going to work, and it didn't. How do you walk through those disappointments as a writer and maintain, you balance, that keep that balance of being able to create and not allow that to really affect you? I mean, it's gonna, and there is a process to it. There's no way that, that you can't feel it, but do you have any advice on how to walk through that or, or get through those kind of moments? I don't know. I don't. I don't think you do get around it. I think it does crush you, and you know you're you're down, and you you go to your significant other, and you say all of the bad words, and you 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 know you're bitter, and you're just that you know you, you lose your mind, um, and then you get up, and you find something else to write. I mean, you you got to just keep writing. Again, I go back to those early years. It it set the foundation for everything. I remember there was a a song. I'd written something, and uh, and I was new. And maybe we even demoed it. I don't remember. But it was a cool title, and it was a cool thing, and I'd played it for everybody. Everybody loved it. You know, all of you guys loved it. You're out the door, and you're pitching, and his life's great. And then something turned around, and maybe Joe Diffie or somebody had a big hit with the exact same title, and it killed my song. It was the exact same song, and they, you know, now my I went from I've got something everybody loves to it's going to go away, and and uh, I remember uh, either Jeff Carlton or Tony Martin, as I'm giving my life isn't fair rant, and they said. Uh, well, that better not be the last great song you write. Oh, that surely was Jeff Carlton. <laughs> Such a Jeff Carlton. And that was the whole, yeah. you know, it was, yeah. it was like, it was kind of like regardless of whether that happened good for me or whether or not it just went away, you, you, you've got work to do. You know, right. that, that was good or bad. That was just Tuesday's day of work. Your whole life didn't hinge no. on that one song. If that had been song of the year, that better not be the last great song you write. So I, I hear that in my head a lot. It's like if... It doesn't happen, you know, blah, 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 and, and you think, well, that better not be the last one. You know, there's got to be. You know, I, I wish that it happened, but it didn't. So, I don't know. I, uh, getting older helps. I, I think you, you know, you have kids and you have life, and you see, you know, there's bad things that happen in the world, and there's real problems out there, and I think maybe a little bit of life hits you, and you learn to kind of, you're irritated and maybe you're livid and maybe but the world didn't end thanks for listening to the nashville aimp pubcast 
For more information, check out AIMP.org or follow us at Nashville AIMP on Instagram. The Nashville AIMP would like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Jamber and SoundExchange. Jamber wants to know if you're looking for an easier way to capture song splits at the point of creation and organizing your catalog. Jamber is our podcast sponsor, and they are offering listeners a first look at their songwriter and publisher apps that allow songwriters to collaborate when inspiration strikes. Go to jamber.com forward slash AIMP to sign up today. SoundExchange develops business solutions for the entire music industry. They collect and distribute royalties on behalf of more than 155,000 recording artists, master right owners, and music publishers. SoundExchange have paid out more than $5 billion in royalties. SXWorks serves the licensing and administration needs of music publishers around the world and operates CMRRA, which represents music publishers and administers mechanical rights for the majority of songs recorded, sold, and broadcast in Canada. We appreciate you listening to the Nashville Pubcast. Stay tuned for an all-new episode next week.